With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, Edge Rush, in association with Bet Fred. I'm Nat Coombs, producer all back in the house and with a big smile on your face, all because once again, if I'm not mistaken for the third week running, we landed our Edge Rush Acre of the Week, right? Yeah, absolutely sensational. And I don't think this one was ever in doubt. A couple of weeks ago, we had a slightly, uh, uh, should we say, nervy finishes with the Raiders against the Jets. Best kind and, of finishes. Uh, yeah, I think that would say to say that, but the Chiefs, the Bucks, they uh, easily won for us. So yeah, happy, happy for the Edge Rush Acker right now. I think this week's actually going to be slightly more interesting. Mm. We're slightly bolder this week, but yeah, it's uh, we're on a roll now. We're on a roll. I like that. I like your confidence. Some might say arrogance, but either way, I think it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how confident we were feeling at the tail end of the Monday Night Football game, which turned out all right in the end, right? Because we'd taken the over five, but also the Ravens minus four is how they started uh, that one. And they covered by five because of a last second safety, which, uh, let's face it, I think is some kind of karmic payback for that ridiculous bad beat with Philly a few weeks ago. That was certainly one of the worst beats in the history of beats, it has to be said. But I also, it made up for the Kansas City Chiefs backdoor cover for the Miami Dolphins, which I actually, Nat, solely blame on Mike Colson because when we right. were live on the radio show and the Kansas City Chiefs scored a field goal, what, in the last minute to make it a nine-point game, which would obviously mean the Chiefs covered the spread, he uh, then rubbed his hands together and basically celebrated winning the bet. That was, that was, I mean, that was definite arrogance, um, uh, cockiness. <laughs> and the moment he did it, yeah, you knew it was, it was, it was going to collapse around us. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, Ol, as you know, I, I've worked with Carlson for years. I blame many things on him, quite, yeah. quite frankly. So quite right. I'm happy for him to take the blame for that. All right. So we've got another Edge Rush Acker, as uh, we've established already, uh, on a roll with those. So uh, keep your ears peeled. That'll drop at the end of the show. Propo's got his prop bets as well. And there are three games that we are concentrating on for you that we think there could be some interesting action on, although we feel more strongly about some than, than others. So where should we start? Let's start with Buffalo-Denver. This is an interesting one. Saturday night game. Can't wait to watch the NFL on a Saturday night. Love That's that. Absolute treat from them. Buffalo is currently at six and a half point favourites. The over-unders at 48 and a half. The line started around four and a half, five and a half for Buffalo. So it's moved out. A lot of the money's been coming in on the bills. That's not surprising because it's hard to argue against the fact that they're probably in the form the best form they've been in since Josh Allen took over under center, that's for sure. So a lot of people coming in on Buffalo here. Mm. But Denver, do you ever really know what a game's going to go like in Denver? Ever? That's the worrying thing about, about this, right? It is, you know, the Denver factor. They look on paper as a team. And we're going to go with the Bills here. Let's just let the cat out of the bag, right? Where They look like a team that on paper, it, it's a clear-cut argument. And then they can play spoiler, right? We, we've seen that before. And they are, like many teams in the NFL, erratic. But Denver, a lot of the time, difficult to work out. Drew Locke's a 
prototype there, right? He has had a, a wildly inconsistent season. Sometimes he's balling. You think, oh, okay, I get why Elway is backing him as the quarterback of the future. Then he's turning over the ball, Jameis style, left, right, and, and center. They're banged up at corner in this game, which I think is, is really, really key, right? That mm-hmm. is where I think the Bills are going to exploit because they are getting into their groove. And if you look at teams all at the moment that are finding rhythm offensively at the right time, yeah, they're timing that right. Or, or conversely, are starting to look a bit haphazard, the Steelers being the obvious choice there. The Bucks, we feel, could be a team in the NFC that are going to get their offensive pieces right, although Ronald Jones out for them this week. But y- you catch my drift. I think it looks as though they'll time that right to be able to flow into the playoffs. And the Bills definitely are in, in that group. Allen is playing lights out once again, as we often talk about on the show. When you're protected... You're going to be a better quarterback, but Allen's numbers as uh, pro football focus demonstrated, he's the number one in the NFL when he is uh, not under pressure, when he's not under duress, when that pocket is sealed. And I don't think Denver will be able to get to him. And I think he'll exploit that weakness in the corner positions particularly. And I just can't see Denver keeping up at all. No, I think the Broncos are just way too inconsistent. This is epitomised by the fact that they followed up their last three wins with losses by margins of seven plus points, mm-hmm. which bodes well for this six and a half point spread. Drew Locke, we all know about my feelings for Drew Locke. He, you just never know which player you're going to get week in, week out. He's throwing for three tu- uh, 13 touchdowns and 13 interceptions hey, in oh, 11 if you games. Could, if you could sum up your feelings for Drew Locke uh, in a noise, in a soundbite, what would it be? So not oh. a word, a sound. Would it be that? <laughs> yeah, just that, just that, that frustrated side with just a, a hint of aggression. <laughs> yeah, definitely a hint of aggression there. Going back yeah. to when uh, I backed the Dolphins back in sort of, I think it was what, week 11 and Drew Locke yeah. decided to actually turn up for that one. Um, yeah. Also, right. I think another key one is that Buffalo tend to do very well in games when they force turnovers. Their mm. secondary is performing as good as it has all season and I think that Drew Locke, as I've said there with the statistic, is prone to interceptions and turning the ball over so I basically think the Buffalo what they're going to do is they're going to try and suffocate the run game to force Mm -hmm. Drew Locke to throw the ball under pressure which I think will only lead to problems for Denver obviously the only thing that you are questioning is just whether Buffalo they do have the tendency like the game against the Jets where they only sort of beat they only just beat them so to speak I think they do have the odd game in them where they can make it frustrating and Mm -hmm not necessarily cruise as much as they have, but right now there's no reason to go against them. They are probably the informed team in the NFL. And the number, as we always say, key hit, under seven. So that is what makes this particularly attractive for me. So we're basically taking Buffalo, well, under seven, under a touchdown, essentially. If you get at minus six, amazing. Might be up to six and a half. Uh, but under that magic seven number, that's key. Incidentally, because I know you love your percentages, Propo. Uh, 98% chance of Buffalo winning the AFC East. There you go. Just thought I'd throw that out there for you. So, I mean, there's a 2% chance that they won't. <laughs> you are nothing, <laughs> if not a genius mathematician, proper. Right. Okay. So, leading off, we like the Bills. Uh, next up, where are we looking? We are looking at Seattle, Washington. Now, this was an interesting one because when you told me prior to the show, we did do some preparation for this. I know that's surprising. Extraordinary. Prior, prior to the show that you were very keen on the Seahawks. And I know you love mm. Seattle Seahawks now. I think that is one of the staples of your gambling tactics is just blindly to back, back the Seahawks. Right. Pretty much week I, appreciate, week I appreciate the respect. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the respect. You love Russell Wilson, but it's understandable. They're a great mm. team to follow. They are entertainers, that's for sure. Um, mm. But it's so the line's at minus five and a half against a Washington team that hasn't lost by more than three points since week five. Mm-hmm. The over-under is at 44 and a half. 
Seahawks are 5-0 and to the under in their last five contests. Mm-hmm. And the Washington are 6-0 and to the under in its previous six games. Right, okay. Well, that's interesting. So... Because it is about the over. Straight, forget the rest of it. Let's go on the over. But yeah. <laughs> specifically this season, right? Or particularly, I should say, this season. Again, a theme that we've covered a few times on the show. That number is well below the average, right? So that that is interesting. A few things that I like about this. And firstly, before I get into the game, we can't all be as diligent uh, like you, Propo, with as we've established piles and piles of old school printed paper, sometimes up to, you know, your shoulder, your neck, just boxes, boxes of spreadsheets and data that I know is surrounding you as you get set for the edge rush show. So we can't all be as diligent as that. But I like Seattle in this game for a few key reasons. And something you often talk about, when there are some really obvious narratives going into a game, I like those narratives to be debunked. So here we're talking about Seattle's offensive line being its Achilles heel right now. We got dazzled and distracted in a way at the start of the season because their defense was so bad and because Russell Wilson was playing so well. They've improved the former to a degree. Their pass rush is rolling better than it was. At least they've got something going on there and, and they are demonstrably a, a little bit further forward defensively than they were six, seven weeks ago, but they're regressing offensively. And one of the reasons why is their offensive line is unbelievably porous, right? They've allowed Russell to be sacked 40 times. And so going into a game against Washington where this team is defined by its front seven, and in particular, the fact that it has picked up 40 sacks, ranking fourth in the NFL, join the dots. Oh, they're going to give Wilson a torrid day. I'm not buying that. I, I, I agree that is a mismatch, but I don't think there are too many other mismatches on the field. Alex Smith is an injury doubt, even if he plays, and he is a heavyweight. Let's get that straight out there. But even if he plays, he is not going to be 100%. Uh, I think there are other injuries they've got uh, concerns offensively as well. So I think this, is, again, is a case of not being able to keep up and liking the number. It's under seven. And I just don't feel that Washington, even if they might frustrate Wilson to a degree, are going to be able to do that consistently through four quarters, particularly as well if Carson has another strong game. He's getting better and people, again, will say, well, it was the Jets. That was just a, like playing a bad college team. Maybe, maybe that's, I mean, that's disrespectful, but you know, maybe, maybe that is fair that you can't pay too much attention on the Jets game in particular. But I think that they will be able to get something rolling on the ground. And I just don't see them keeping up offensively with Seattle to that number. No, I can't see Washington scoring more than 20 points. Right. The football team ranked 30th in the league in yards per game and third down conversion percentage. And the Seahawks have only conceded 16 points on average in their last five games. So their defense has improved dramatically from earlier in the season. And then on the offensive side of the ball, because I think, let's be honest, we're all talking about this is going to be the Seattle offense against the Washington defense. Mm -hmm. According to ESPN, it's number sixth ranked offense versus the fourth ranked defense. So this is definitely where the game will be won and lost. And one area which I think will be key is how Washington go about stopping DK Metcalf because they simply don't have anyone in their secondary who is big enough to take him one-on-one. So Mm. I think they're going to have to double-team him which will open up space for Lockett and more. But then, of course, the other narrative is Wilson going to have enough time to get them the ball. As you just said there, you want to see this debunked but it is going to be a very difficult day for the offensive line. Montez Sweat and Chase Young are athletic freaks and are just going to go out there and do whatever it takes to get to Russell Wilson. So I think that is essentially where the game is going to be won and lost. But again, as you said, I think the combination of Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde will mean that this game is probably 
going to be one where Seattle run the ball more than they throw the ball. And I think that's going to be an absolute war on the ground. And if they get success there, then I see Seattle winning this game and most likely covering the spread. But I, as I said, I, I basically, I think for Seattle, all they have to do is just score over 20 points. And I think they cover the spread. Yeah, I, I guess if you want to apply an element of caution here, if it is going to be Dwayne Haskins and not Alex Smith, I feel much more strongly about yes. it. But I still think they get it done with Smith. Antonio Gibson as well as the other one, right? So you've got yeah. to keep an eye there. A key player, is it going to change You know, my overall leaning here? Probably not. But yeah, if you're looking at Smith and Gibson out, yeah, then I feel a lot more sure about it. Incidentally, out of the two of us, who would, be, who would do a better job of trying to cover DK Metcalf? <laughs> How tall are you again? Six foot. At a push. Six foot. I mean, it's listed. No you could, you could, what do you mean? Is that on your Wikipedia? Is that on your Wikipedia? <laughs> six foot. 5'11 and three quarters. You know, anyone who says they're six foot is 5'11 or 5'10. Mate, anyone. in the studio, radio studio on Sunday, you can get bring the tape measure. Proper. Bring, bring the, the tape, tape measure. measure. We're going we're gonna to measure. I'm what six you? foot four, so I would probably <laughs> at the same time. I've got the pace definitely, though, mate. I, definitely, pace. I definitely don't have the pace. Which we'll just have to issue. double team him. We'll oh yeah, team. we'll just have to double team and hopefully the refs won't notice when I basically just hold his shirt the whole time and sort of you, you would be drags really me along the floor. Egregiously dirty, I think. You see, I'd play yeah. the game the right way, but you would be you would definitely you would. draw flags. You draw flags. All right, so we're like we're liking Seattle uh, again under a touchdown minus six, uh, minus five in that spot, right? Yeah, I think so. The over under, as I said there, all of the data, all of the statistics point towards the under. But for me, I, as you said there, I like to see trends debunked. And I think this one could maybe go over. Mm. Okay. Like it. <laughs> Sound like, like the confidence, like the surety of that. It is crunch time for a few teams as they look to secure their playoff place. One of those teams is Seattle. They're part of Betfred's Double Delight slate for this week. If you back a first touchdown scorer in the Seals-Washington game, and he scores first and then gets another, Betfred are going to double your odds. How about that? They've also thrown in the Chiefs-Saints game as well. They're feeling festive for their Double Delight uh, roster too. So don't forget to check out all the NFL specials on the Betfred app or Betfred dot com singles only a bet must be placed prior to kickoff to qualify betfred rules apply full terms at betfred.com forward slash promotions you've got to be 18 plus of course be gamble aware.org is the website to check out for more information and as always please gamble responsibly all right what's up as our final game pick and then we've got obviously your prop bets and our yes. of the week. so another interesting one from you nat uh, again, when what you said to me prior to the show was that you liked the over in the Tampa Bay Atlanta game. Very much. In this matchup, Tampa Bay are five and a half point favorites, and the over under has moved down mm. from 51 and a half to 49 and a half. Mm-hmm. But you know what that means, Nat? Money's coming in on the under. Mm-hmm. And I know you like to be in line with the sharps. So mm. this has come as a surprise to me. Um, I can explain to you why there's money coming on the under. I think it's purely based on the fact that the Falcons seemingly have lost all their capabilities on offense, yeah. but have actually improved a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. The under is 8-2 and two in the Falcons' last 10. The under is 6-0 and oh in the Falcons' last six games as a home underdog. But both teams average over 49.5 points in all of their games. So there is reason to believe that this could go over the 49.5 point total. But it's, I just, as you know, I was back in the Falcons last week against the Chargers, which was obviously to my detriment, did not go well at Mm. all. Um, And I found it incredibly frustrating watching the Atlanta Falcons move the ball offensively because they have the capability to do it. They just seem to have too many mistakes 
in them, which I think is going to be a problem for this team. I actually just view this game as one of the most unpredictable ones from mm. both from both teams. So I can see why you're leaning towards the over, but I can be convinced now. I think that is fair. I think it is it is a definite risk, right? I want to start off by by saying that. But here's why I like the over. There's a lot riding for both sides here on this game, right? So you might look at the Falcons and say, well, four and nine, like what's riding uh, for them? Raheem Morris landed the starting gig, first things first. Four and three, a lot of people like what he's done. And as you've identified defensively, particularly, they are worlds apart from where they were at the start of the season. Dan Quinn was in. And uh, that I think is going to be particularly key, right? That they are not just going to roll through the last couple of games of the season and phone it in. I think they're going to be up for it and motivated. The Bucks, as I alluded to earlier on in the show, I think are being written off ridiculously easily. I think their offense is going to ro- start to groove as we get to, you like that technical term, as we start to get to the, the, the finals weeks of the season and into the playoffs. I just have a feeling that it is a, it is a, a pattern that we've seen again and again that certain teams, particularly with these kind of pieces around them, take time to work it out. And a lot has been said about this mismatch between Arian's vision of what he wants to do and Brady. But even last week, we saw signs of things just clicking, like that Scotty Miller touchdown, that absolute bomb from Brady. And I just feel confident that the Bucks, almost particularly because everybody has written off their offense and says, look how static and old school and clunky and stiff they look. I just think it's, it's ridiculous to write Brady off and Arians for that matter with these pieces around him. Now, Ronald Jones isn't playing, right? That slightly worries me because Fournette was a scratch last week, a healthy scratch. So he clearly isn't working, but they're going to presumably have to lead on him a bit more. And he gives you a fair amount out of the backfield in principle as well. The Falcons offense and another key injury to keep an eye on here and why I'm slightly, slightly uh, concerned about this is Julio, right? Because I know Calvin already stepped into that number one gig and then some, but demonstrably they're a much better offense when Julio's playing as opposed to when they're not, not least because the attention that he garners, even if he's not as productive as he typically is, he is, a, or looks like it'll be a game time decision as well. So those two pieces slightly worry me, but I think that the Falcons will be able to do enough offensively um, to land some blows. And I think the Bucks will, will roll. So I, I think given a modest, the modest number, or at least the very attainable number of 50 this season with the overs. I, I, I like this. It's tempting. It's certainly not something I feel super strong about, but a roll of the dice, sure. Yeah, and I think looking at the the spread at minus five and a half for Tampa Bay, I think mm. it's an interesting one. I think the Atlanta Falcons remind me a lot of the Los Angeles Rams, obviously a much worse version, but in terms of right. putting in the performances when you don't expect them to, when they're coming up against a team that has a winning record, they seem to do much better proven against the Las Vegas Raiders when they absolutely blew them out of the water the last time they were playing at home. Yeah, that's a great comparison. I like it. And I can see them doing something similar here. And also Tampa Bay is one and five against the spread in the last Mm. six games following a straight up win. Mm. And I just think it's a divisional game. I don't think Atlanta are going to want to roll over to Tampa Bay, especially not Tom Brady after what he did did to them a couple of years ago. So I think Matt Ryan, especially after coming off a really poor performance against the Los Angeles Chargers, is going to have a lot of motivation going into this game. Julio Jones is key though. You are right. That is, I think they were missing him massively last week. But Calvin Ridley is a baller. And I think Todd Gurley should have a better week this week. So I would actually be leaning towards the Falcons to cover the spread here. But as you said, the line is dangerous. So I may 
shave a couple of uh, points off Oh, looking at tees. I like that. I might wheel them in yeah. the tees. So we like the over-ish, I think is what we're saying in that yeah. one. Uh, if you're fancy, as I said, uh, giving uh, the dice a bit of a roll. Okay, what we're a bit more sure about, as always, of course, our Acker of the Week, that is coming up shortly. But before we do, if that's the headline act, then the uh, the support slot, the propo, prop bets of the week. You got three of them, right? I do have three of them, Nat. Um, this week, we're sticking with the Buffalo Bills-Denver Broncos game. I think the primary focus for Denver, I know you're saying that they've got a banged up secondary, but at the same time, I think the whole scheme, the whole plan for their game is going to be to stop Josh Allen throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Whether they'll be able to do that mm-hmm. is another story. But if they're trying to do that, then I think that'll open the ground game up for Buffalo. And they've particularly struggled against mobile QBs throughout this season. Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, and Taysom Hill have all had success running against the Broncos. So I expect Josh Allen to actually utilize his legs much more than he has done in recent weeks in this game. The overrun yeah. is at 29 and a half rushing yards, and I see him being able to get over that. I love that, particularly because the, the, the Bills ground game around him is struggling as well. So I think it, it's, a, it's a really good call. Certainly early on, I can see them going to that if they yes. can't establish uh, the, the aerial attack. Although, yeah, I, I reckon they have success with both. So 29 and a half, I love that. Love it. Yeah. The second one I'm going for is Alvin Kamara to have over 59 and a half rushing yards against the Chiefs. Undoubtedly the game of the weekend, I think, Kansas City taking on the New Orleans Saints. And I always just like to think that big games see big games for big game players. See that? How many times can I say big games in 10 big. seconds? You went big on that. That was good. What was the over-under yeah. on you saying big four times in 10 seconds? <laughs> yeah. I think it was probably around four or five. So yeah, I think I, I think I did hit the over there, which is a good sign. Kamara's usage actually dropped off massively when Taysom Hill came in under centre. Figures. But, so, but in recent weeks, it's kind of crept back up to 71% of snaps that he is on the field. And he started to gain some momentum on the ground. And we all know that the Chiefs' biggest weakness is stopping the run. I see him having a lot of success on the ground. The Chiefs, the other one to potentially look at is his receiving yards. Mm. That line's at 39.5. That was slightly too high for me just because I think it's dependent on a lot of things, that receiving game for running backs. But that's one to potentially look at if that drops as the Kansas City do let, I think it's allowed the sixth most receiving yards to running backs. And obviously Alvin Kamara, I would argue, is the best receiving back in the league. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, he's certainly going to be on the short list. I think that yeah. deserves a spin off pod. I'm, I'm writing that down proper. We're going to work on that. <laughs> That's actually off season pods. We can like best positional, yeah, top five power rankings. There we go. Write that down. That's done. Yeah, I think we definitely do that. And I think the second one we do is will the Baltimore Ravens ever throw the ball for more than 250 yards in a game? Ever again. Ever again. Like it. Let's, let's, this is incredible. I mean, at the NC show, if you want to fire in more suggestions for our off-season shows, we've already landed, landed two there. So that, that's good enough for me. I'm sure we worked on, yeah, we were working on some with Tom Deacon. Tom Deacon on this week's preview pod, of course, uh, as well as Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. ESPN Insider, he was great. Uh, they both were. And uh, it's, it's a good old show if you want to get set uh, for week 15. But we were talking about that with Tom. You, you know all our, uh, our, our love for Mick McCarthy. Yes, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, English football manager um, who often is mistaken for Mike McCarthy, the current Dallas Cowboys head coach, and the idea, which has been rolling for years now, I think, on this show of Mick McCarthy coaching in the NFL. Well, that reared its head again. That that particular uh, skit on the uh, on the uh, preview show, and so I think we're going to develop that other Premier League managers involved in the NFL in some degree. Did you manage to? Um, I would love to see 
uh, reenactment of an mm. interaction between Jerry Jones and Mick McCarthy. Amazing. I mean, I, I, uh, yes, I, I mean, Mick McCarthy, as we, as we got into on the show, <laughs> obsessed with playing four or five tight end sets and fullbacks. Yeah. <laughs> That's all he wants to play. So but sure I just want to see them. Play. I just want to see them eating. I want to see Mick McCarthy walk onto Jerry Jones's yacht and just watch that interaction play out. Cause I yeah. just can't imagine how he's going to treat Jerry. Cause he's not going to bow down to Jerry, is he? Not at all. He will stand his ground. <laughs> yeah. he'll, stand, he'll stand his ground. I could see him walking on, chucking Jerry a bottle of whatever of the good stuff that he's brought as, a, as an onboarding gift and saying something like, get that down here. <laughs> to, to, to Jerry Jones. That'd be his opening gambit. Yeah. Oh, God. That is something. That I think you should make that into a TV show, let alone a podcast. You can make that into a TV We're show. We're developing it. There are treatments being written. There are pilots being done. We're on the case. Okay, perfect. That is absolutely. Uh, <laughs> totally derailed. Your prop bets, right? Prop bet number three. Yeah. So yeah prop bet number three is a favorite of mine, actually. You know, I've, I've realized that recently I don't think I've gone a week without including a tight end in my, one of my prop bets. I love yeah. tight end prop bets. I don't really know why, but I think it's just because for whatever reason they seem to be undervalued. Yeah. Oh, quite you a bit. overlooked. You know, that's the key because everybody's looking at the flashy receiver. Yeah. You know, the dual threat quarterback that can run it in if it's first and goal. And, do you yeah. think that's that, and so people just overlook tight ends because it's just not, a, not as uh, a, a, an obvious a position for, for either first score, score any time touchdown score or bets or yardage. Yeah. I think that's another spin-off pod. Are tight ends underappreciated? Love it. Yeah, that's, that's enough. <laughs> Love it. This is amazing. We're filling our off-season schedule yeah. in the space of four or five minutes. Oh, this is really prolific work from both This of is really good work. Yeah, I should get, I might get paid double for this, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah most likely. Uh, anyway, Mark Andrews is, I think, one of the best tight ends in the league. And I mm. think he's going to score a touchdown against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, we say tight ends are unappreciated, but one that certainly isn't is Mark Andrews. He is the primary receiver for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens when he is in the game. He's seen five-plus targets in eight of 11 games this year, including three with eight-plus targets. And, of course, is coming off a big week against the Browns, which bodes well considering how few times Lamar Jackson actually threw the ball for Mark Andrews to get 75-plus yardage, I think, just shows how much faith they have in Andrews and how good of a receiving tight end he is. And the Jags have allowed touchdowns to eight different tight ends this season. Mm. So I expect Andrews to be targeted in the end zone throughout this game. And I hope that he can get a score. Love that. All right. Those are our prop bets of the week. When I say art, I mean your prop bets. <laughs> Put that disclaimer out. <laughs> you like them though, don't you? You like, I like them. them. I like them all. I'm a fan of those prop bets, of all of your yeah. prop bets, of the prop. I'm on, I'm on board the prop O prop train. Don't worry about that. Thanks, man. That. Right. Our act of the week. We've got a lot to live up to because we've only reminded... Uh, everybody about 74 times uh, on this week's show uh, that we're landing our Ackers of the Week. So uh, we want to keep that streak going. Also, I'm going to lead off. Remember, this is a three-team money line treble. So take them straight up. Don't worry about the points. This is straight up on the button. I'm taking Seattle first. We talked about it on the show earlier. I know there is a mismatch in the trenches, but I don't think that is going to prevent the Seahawks being able to not run away with this, but certainly with the line under seven, under a touchdown, I like that a lot because I think Russell Wilson will make stuff happen irrespective. I don't think Washington can hold them uh, and put that pressure on consistently and stifle Russell Wilson for four quarters. I think their ground game will be better than it has been 
for much uh, of the season, partly because they were getting their groove on last week once again. And I like that tag team of, of uh, Carson and Hyde doing enough. And I just don't think Washington, even if Alex Smith suits up, even if Gibson suits up, both of whom are questionable, I don't think they're going to have enough to keep up to that degree. So Seattle's our first team in the money line. Yep, and our second team on the money line, treble is Cleveland. Mm. I think there's time to celebrate Baker Mayfield, the new Baker Mayfield now. In weeks 12 to 14, Mayfield's eight touchdown passes, a second only to Aaron Rodgers. His 929 passing yards, a second only to Patrick Mahomes. And his 113.5 quarterback rating trails only Aaron Rodgers. So those are the two front runners, the two horse race for the MVP. And in the past Baker for weeks, MVP, you said. Ba- what- I am basically saying Baker for MVP. In the same way that I declared Josh Allen an elite quarterback last week. You did. Which, obviously, everyone's discussing this week following another excellent performance from him. I'm going <laughs> to... No, I'm not going to announce Baker Mayfield as an elite quarterback. That would be going too far, I think. But it, it would be, be ridiculous, um, but I <laughs> would, would applaud it and like it nevertheless. I, um, this is the Colt McCoy revenge tour, right? If Colt plays, of course, he'll be going. And it's the Freddie Kitchens revenge tour. Of course. Interesting. He's taking no, over from Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett's on the COVID list. So I'm Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have we, have we just talked ourselves out of this? I think we might have done. I'm now really, we? really worried. Okay. I mean, are we really worried about a Colt McCoy and Freddie Kitchens revenge tour? Like that is so. probably the most uninspiring revenge tour of all time. Who would turn up to that? They're both going to hang back in the locker room where the rest of the team goes out there and just and just just st- just hype each other up, stare at each other. We got this. We got, we got this. Kitchens, it'll be the greatest offensive performance of the season. <laughs> that would be something to behold with an offensive line that is absolutely tragic as far as I'm concerned for the New York Giants. Yeah. And Daniel Jones looked... I mean, he's definitely carrying some sort of knock. So is he definitely not playing? Is the Comacoy definitely playing? No, it's, it, it's TBC. TV. It's TBCs. Well, either if it's Colt McCoy or Daniel Jones, I still don't see either of them being able to throw at all against this Cleveland Browns team, despite them having a weak second. <laughs> no, no pass attempts is what you're saying on that one. All right, we like Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I like it. I know that there is a... The- Chubb and Hunt are going to run all over them. Exactly. I know they've got good defense, but they're, they're going to run all over them. Whiff of a trap game, but I don't think uh, this uh, really will play. <laughs> it will be a field goal game, but they'll be on the right side of it. Cleveland Browns are a winning franchise now. This Shame. is where our streak ends, right here, right now. <laughs> you heard it here first. All right, so we like Seattle. We like the Browns. And to complete the uh, three-team acker, oh, we're going. Buffalo Bills, your favorites. Mm. we've covered the game I think in detail uh, on the show I like where they're at right now the Bills are getting better more like the old Bills defense uh, they're stepping up they're getting strong getting pieces back defensively offensively I think they are rolling and they're timing that perfectly for the playoffs they're locking in the AFC East with a win here Uh, I like them straightforward money line one two three there we go that's our three team acker how good do we feel about it all uh, because you actually picked two of them, I don't feel that good. <laughs> That's out of order. That's <laughs> the implication there is that you've been picking a lot of our teams for the three team. <laughs> I right? have been picking a lot of our teams. Unbelievable. I definitely have. Although, as we said, if I I would have chosen Atlanta last week, which you steered me away from, so I have to. Anywhere from Atlanta, you'd steered me away from Miami plus the points. 
Oh yeah, Nat. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Nat. That was the right play, Nat. That yeah. was the right play. What? So you're saying that I could have predicted that what happened in the end? Could I predict that? What did, I predicted is the Kansas City Chiefs comfortably beat the Miami Dolphins, which they did. It was just half a point out. Right, Don't okay. come at me with a backdoor cover. I got you Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago, which was listeners. A what we're going to do going forwards is when we drop our three team Mac of the week, we're going to uh, just initial it, but you know, NC next to it if it was my pick. <laughs> if it was my pick, I can't believe you're taking credit for the Ackers of the week. But hey, you know what, Propo. <laughs> Propo because you give us so much prop goodness week in week out. I'm gonna let you have that victory. I'm gonna let you. Have, I'm gonna let you have <laughs> that glory. Thanks, now I appreciate oh, it. Yeah. So this one, I'm just gonna for all the listeners out there. I'm just gonna put a disclaimer out. I'm not as confident as I have been in recent weeks. <laughs> Great. Well, that seals it. Hey, three in a row. We're going for four in a row. We could do it, people. Yeah, we no, could we do can. it. Lovely stuff. Uh, most importantly of all, though, enjoy the football. If you do fancy a wager, you've got to be 18 plus, of course. BeGambleAware.org is the website to check out for more information. Always, please gamble responsibly. Uh, right, fingers crossed. Enjoy the Saturday football. Uh, we will be back with more Edge Rush next week with more NC Show on Monday. Christmas Edge Rush. Christmas Edge Rush. Yeah, I love a bit of Christmas Edge Rush. Uh, we're rolling all through the, the festive season, so uh, you're not going to miss a trick. We're not going to be missing an episode. Who's on the show Monday for our uh, review It show? is Greg Brady. Of ah, course it is. The big man. The man, the mystery, the legend. Back in the house. We've got some great guests lined up over Christmas, actually. Marek Lava's dropping by. Iron Mike as well. Uh, J-Bell's coming up again soon. So lots of goodies. Lots of your faves coming your way over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're out of here. See you next time, all. Podcast Network.